Welcome again, dear listeners, to Vermont Stretch Radio, the radio show broadcast to you from Killington, Vermont, Gimmel. And boy, do we have a treat for you today, listeners. A celebrity interview with none other than Stuart Bauman, the former politician best known for his contributions towards what would eventually become the Bauman Parahuman Containment Center, the largest sinkhole in American public spending since Charlie Wilson's war. Glad to have you here, Mr. Bauman. The pleasure is all mine. Now, the Bauman Parahuman Containment Center was known among the public and the parahuman community as the birdcage. Our big question for tonight is, uh, well, the entire point of interviewing you at all, is what was the birdcage and did it work? And for our listeners, a little bit of background, actually. The Bauman Parahuman Containment Center was an, ostensibly, inescapable prison held over the heads of all criminals as the ultimate sentence. Well, other than a kill order, of course. It created what we'd like to know as a climate of three strikes, I'm joining the Protectorate, where capes that had violated every law in the book were offered a job just as long as they asked really nicely, as well as encouraging a number of capes that had finished their three strikes to sink to greater and greater depths of depravity, being a very strong motivator to a number of the Slaughterhouse Nine's finest recruits, including Fall 11 joiner Skinslip and his predecessor's more famous career back in 95, both of whom had concluded that since they were going to be imprisoned for life, what was a few more murders going to do to that? I'll object to that, Mr. Guy. The birdcage is not responsible for villains escalating. It served as a deterrent to escalation. Villains that crossed the line needed to know that they'd crossed the line. They needed a symbol to fear. Uh, other than kill orders, kill orders already in place before the birdcage was complete, issued to villains and ne'er-do-wells since the days of King's inaugural nine. That's an unfair comparison. The Slaughterhouse Nine were a brute squad in those days. Well, that's an unfair label. They only had two brutes on the team. The Nine weren't villains. They were monsters. Are monsters. I beg your pardon? They are monsters. Uh, membership of the Nine is not something that goes away, and there are members of the Nine still out there to this very day that would appreciate if their continued membership is respected and understood. People like the Slaughterhouse Nine rejected costumes, rules, territory, and money. They did not play the game that other parahumans did. For people like that, a kill order was the only response. For people that played the game, we needed a response that fit within their dichotomy. Well, I mean, that's definitely why the Slaughterhouse Nine lasted for uh, 24 years under a single manager, with the core January 05 to Summer 11 lineup remaining, well, downright unchanged. Uh, what about Winter? Ah, that's a good point. I forgot about that, her for a second there. Why don't you outline what the birdcage was, again, for the sake of our listeners, the actual contents and construction? That's probably a good idea. 
Right, so the Bauman Parahuman Containment Facility consisted firstly of a mountain that had had to have been hollowed out. The starting point for the expenditure on this facility was hollowing out this entire mountain in complete secret in the middle of one of the most popular skiing areas in the United States. And from there, a warehouse layer was constructed that was, for the most part, completely unused. That's a larger volume than some cities that was left completely unused by the only way in and out of this prison. There, prisoners are led and read their crimes and told the odds of their escape, and then given just enough oxygen not to choke to death as they are slowly fed into the empty spaces that lead to the birdcage, through layers of artificially created vacuum and a larger mass of containment foam than was ever supplied to the PRT in their entire time protecting America from parahumans. Through layers of artificially created drones, an entire army of dragon suits, and into a building where ostensibly they can't afford good books. Let, let, let's just let that sink in for you, listeners. A building where no expense was spared in its creation, where a seeming blank check was issued in funding the ultimate edifice to justice, and the yearly budget doesn't cover new books. I'll interject to that. The initial birdcage was the most costly work of human engineering in existence. The US was not prepared to throw more money at it after it was already completed. It was costly enough to solve poverty in the US. Parahuman abilities can't be relied upon to solve problems like that. But they can be relied upon to solve criminals. If solving clean water in Africa would lead to some sort of evil virus, why would you assume that the birdcage would remain closed forever? It was inescapable. It was maintained. It was so inescapable, so very inescapable, that every single inmate is out and about on the streets today. That was due to unforeseeable circumstances. How on earth is portals unforeseeable? How in the hell is teleportation not something that there were countermeasures for building it? The government cannot accept responsibility for any powers that work around the birdcage's defenses. But, but the whole point was that powers didn't. Literally the entire point of the birdcage was a place that you could not use powers to escape. The point of the birdcage was that the people inside could not get out. The I can see that I am getting nowhere with this line of questioning. So, Mr. Stuart Bauman, do you think that the birdcage worked as a deterrent? Why, permanent internment is the only deterrent from parahuman rule. For many of them, they cannot be executed traditionally, and they cannot be incarcerated traditionally. Well, why? There was a need for a sentence less severe than a kill order. No, I, I, I meant that why can't they be executed traditionally? That's more down to the United States' uh, rather costly... Uh, methods of execution and their rather backward institutions that the entire mess of what's uh, the quality of life and all that for 
inmates, murderers, and ne'er-dwells is even brought up as a problem, but um, I just don't understand most of the Terrant. Many of the capes that received kill orders were responsible for at most a dozen or so deaths, while some of the birdcages inmates had kill counts entering the four digits. Like, I can, I can get reaching the big one double O, but once you hit a thousand, you're getting a little insane. There was a need to show that we could keep people like that contained. The birdcage could be opened. I, I, I thought it was meant to be inescapable. The birdcage could be opened in the worst case scenario. In the event that the Endbringers won and that humanity was over, we could open the cage and the worst of humanity could fight to save the last of it. Which they did. Which they did. Another thing that I don't get. uh, What were you actually supposed to do once you were inside? Because you can't exactly turn over a new leaf. There's no point in that. You are locked away forever. It's an unrepealable sentence. Even in the instance of... um, a number of ingenues victims, where it was an unjust sentence to begin with, even in the infamous case of parahuman sex offender, Bad Canary, who uh, would have been fairly easy to incarcerate normally. The birdcage is not meant to be a resort, and the birdcage is not meant to be... Well, it's not meant to be a bullet in the head either, and it's certainly not to, meant to have been an afterlife sentence. I beg your pardon? A glass trick, glazed tick, the fairy queen, the, the one with the Welsh name. Every single inmate to die in the birdcage was claimed by her. Even in death, you couldn't escape the birdcage. Why on earth bait would anyone put a psychotic teenager with an army of the damned inside of a box full of more people for her to kill? Why keep shoveling more corpses into her mouth? Glashtik Wenye was a threat that only the birdcage could contain. Well, or a bullet. A bullet works too. If you're going to threaten a man with a birdcage for one count of murder, then maybe killing half of the king's men counts. That's another problem entirely. We can talk about the severity of her crimes, or we can talk about the complications that arise from the fairy queen residing within the Bauman Parahuman Containment Facility. Fine. Why keep sending people in after her? Why not just kill her in transit? You seemed pretty sure that no one could escape the birdcage on their way in to the birdcage and that they would die if they tried to escape. So why not arrange something like that? A Trump with the suite of powers that she displayed would have easily been able to escape the facility should she have wished. Keeping her contained was a concession. There was no great cost in giving her what she wanted, and what she wanted was inmates that we had already locked up. Their literal souls. The souls of everybody within the birdcage had already been forfeit in the eyes of the United States government, and in the eyes of all the global authorities that supplied the birdcage with its inmates. 
We had and always have been fighting a losing battle on a hundred fronts, and sometimes the best that you can hope for is a stalemate. And when the Fairy Queen said that she was willing to wait three hundred years, we were happy to leave her be for three hundred years. Protectorate thinkers were assigned to the problem, and they determined that she would not pose a threat for the immediate future, and that countermeasures were drawn preparing for if and when she ever did leave the birdcage. Out of interest, uh, was one of the countermeasures a bullet, by any chance? No. You know what, I am... I'm just honestly surprised that someone like you was willing to really have a conversation like this with someone like me. I wasn't. I didn't. You didn't. There is no concession. There is no conversation. I'm just you doing a silly voice and holding me up as a straw man. Well, I mean, we debated our points. I like to think that I gave you a few little wins here and there. All right, then. A scarecrow. You made me up and put on a silly voice that you could pretend to be a real radio show. No one listens to this stupid drivel. No one would ever want to come to the middle of nowhere just to deal with you. That's why you picked this stupid little town. That and your pathetic attachment to the people that hated you. They've never liked you. No one ever liked you. They tolerated you. And they only tolerated you because you made them with your pathetic little power. Well, I am glad that our listeners today got a little bit more of a conversational tone than me just ranting on and on about the birdcage, because I'm not a fan of the birdcage, as you might gather. The, the sentencing was never just. It was politically motivated. That whole thing they built is not justice. It's a man hanging from the gallows outside of a town in the Wild West. Paige Maccabee, jailed for sexual assault with a paranhuman ability. No prior offences, no connotations to her power that prevent her from being stored within a minimum security jail. Jailed so that people will see her name on a list and think, maybe I shouldn't commit atrocities. There isn't justice. This isn't justice. There never was any justice. There was an illusion of justice to reassure the normal people. Normal people that keep the abnormal people down. Convince them that villainy is okay so long as you only join the elite. The ambassadors are all free to rule Boston so long as they do it from the shadows. The undersiders are free to rule Brockton Bay to this very day. Oh, I know that they're barely villains, listeners. Oh, I know that villain is a label, but the rest of the country bends their knee to murderers and terrorists with the same breath by which they condemn the real monsters out there. I don't think there's such a thing as the real monsters out there. There are worse people that lurk in your shadows. The real monsters aren't the ones that hide and kill one person every other month. They're the ones you bow to day by day in the hopes that they'll protect you from the real monsters. 
I'm not a fan of the birdcage. I'm not a fan of a biased amnesty either. I'm not a fan of Tattletale's Town or of Marquis or Marquis and those little huts as pet pony patrols. I am certainly not a fan of Amelia Claire Dallin being allowed to gallivant about the place. It reeks of favoritism. And as much as it warms my heart to see old friends still alive, well, listeners, the birdcage might be a symbol of the old order of things, but I think a prison that lets its inmates appear on national television might just be the symbol of our new regime. Thanks for listening in, ladies and gentlemen, those in between and those wholly inhuman. Good night to Vermont Stretch and the people that bravely forge their own lives. Good night to the city and to everyone content with a new world built from the sins of the past. La da 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 This was a production for the Parahuman Audio Community Content section. The same people that bring you the Worm Audiobook Project and the Ward Audiobook Project occasionally have to put up with me posting a uh, thing like this to their site. Go check out Worm and Ward, the original works that all this is based off, at parahumans.wordpress.com and parahumans.net, respectively. They're both owned and written by J.C. McRae. This is a fan production, and we have no ownership of the characters, places, settings, stories, political views, and all sorts contained within. Thank you for tuning in. And stay tuned for another episode eventually. Our schedule is getting a little bit looser now that Ward has uh, picked up a little bit of speed and some of the arcs are a little less spread out. There's less information to report on and there's less material to make Vermont Stretch Radio with. If you like this, then check us out at our Stitcher feed or... I suppose anything else. And uh, if you're listening to us from Stitcher, do give parahumanaudio.com a bit of a check as uh, they have a wonderful audiobook for Ward. The triumphant sequel to Wild Bo's Worm. That'll be all. Thanks and goodbye.